Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode hello hello welcome back to the consummate athlete podcast peter how's it going we are back for another week we are excited we have a, a couple q a questions this week to go over but yeah things are going well we're excited the summer is still rolling the weather is still here and on our side and when this releases we are only days away from jumping into our friend karen's bruce trail fkt attempt so 900 kilometers of pretty rugged terrain all up and down the Niagara Escarpment here in Ontario. Uh, she's doing that. We'll be posting about it over at consummateathlete.com so you can sort of check out what she's running with, what she's using, uh, and sort of follow along with the adventure. We'll be crewing for a couple days. It's going to be our first experience crewing. I'm pretty excited. I'm not. Do you think it's our first? I, I guess. In some ways, I mean, we've supported different things. I've supported you. We've supported whole cyclocross teams and I provincial and national teams. I don't know if this is that that challenging. It's it's certainly multi. Maybe our first like multi day endurance event. There you go. Um, but yeah, I don't think. I think it's it's nice. I was going to say that it's nice. You know, I, I'm coming out of mountain bike worlds uh, with the Team Canada here, and then we're going into that, and all the clients are, you know, racing in different things. We just had, you know, recently there was, you know, Leadville finally, you know, happened, and some people got to go. Uh, so it's fun. At whatever level folks are out doing things, they're out doing things. So yes. kudos, and we're excited for all of you. Yes, and once Karen is recovered, we'll definitely have her on the podcast to talk about how it went and what people can learn from her attempt. I personally am looking forward to hopefully being able to run with her for chunks of it, uh, but not to the extent where I'll be running all day because that would not make me a very helpful or valuable crew member if I'm just constantly passed out in the van uh, at any time that I'm not running. That's not mm -hmm. helpful for anyone. Right. Yeah. So she'll be moving along. If you wanted to follow that, how can people do that? We're, we're going to do a post, I think, with some of the, the key details, but is, can people follow early? It's Holland on the Run, I think, is the Instagram handle. Yep, that is correct. And we'll just have all that in the show notes or just head to consummateathlete.com. And like I said, we'll have a post up sort of all of the links to Starting follow. Starting on the long weekend. So we're thinking like September 3, yes. maybe something around there. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's what we're coming into here soon. So hopefully, again, your summer is going well and you've had some adventures. You're, you know, working away at strengths and weaknesses. Uh, so the first question today, do we want to get into it? Yeah, for sure. So this has been coming up a lot lately, which is good. I think I'm happy that it's coming up. You know, there's there's these recurring questions I find in, in coaching, you know, and there's new batch of people or the seasons change. So there's like seasonal questions. You know, everyone sort of has similar questions as we get through or, or your ability gets to a certain level or you're serious or you switch disciplines. So these questions are recurring. So this one was, you know, should I test outside? So we're thinking maybe like an FTP test. We can call it a 20 minute test. It could be. I think any sort of test, right? And, and this is often coming from someone who's started training indoors and then is, you know, it's always this like, should I train outdoors? Can I train for cycling outdoors? Which might seem crazy to someone who started cycling outdoors and has only ever trained outdoors. So I actually get this question in both directions. Like, how are we going to test indoors? 
right? So I'm always, there's some of these questions that can go either direction. You just want to pair those people up, right? It's, <laughs> uh, true, yeah. it's like, you know, you want to put your, your, your indoor trainer, Zwift person, you know, and they can show the outdoor mountain biker, whatever person, how that works. And then the mountain biker can say, oh yeah, you can do 20 minutes. You just go out here and, you know, you find the right road. I always thought a fun article would actually be sort of a swap of someone who's super obsessed with all of the data, all of the numbers, has all of the bands and the rings and the straps and the whatever, and someone who just writes their training down in a notebook, and that's that's it. Sort of a Luddite in the, the training sphere. Sorry, what are the bands and the rings and the straps? Uh, like a whoop and an aura ring oh, and a heart rate strap. I, I was completely and... thinking strength training. No, no, yeah, no. Okay. I just mean they're getting all of the metrics. They have all the data. And so you're going to maybe take stereotypically like a triathlete, Ironman triathlete with a like enduro. Yeah, exactly. Or, or maybe and, like a bike packer or something. And just make them swap so the one, they have to do what the other one does. Not training wise, just giving up the metrics maybe. or adding all the metrics. You could probably do bike packer meets uh, Ironman, you know, or, or something like that. I thought it'd be super interesting because I think both, both of them would learn something. They'd meet something. in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they'd just be cross-country mountain bikers right in the middle. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's, <laughs> not, how, we, that's not, how we boost the sport. I'm not biased at all. Uh, so there you go. So the question is, you know, how and why and should uh, we train outdoors? And so I, I think... Test the, outdoors, not train Yeah, outdoors. so I, I tend to go in like, if you can ride outside, I think you definitely should. Um, yeah. So why might people be asking this question? I right. think is probably the first thing to mention. Why are people coming to you with this question? So there's often this element of control, right? They think that it's perfect inside. They can do this tabletop interval where they go up to 200 watts and they hold it for 20 minutes and then, oh, that was really hard. And, you know, I got perfectly at 200 watts. And, you know, but then they're, if they're preparing for something outside, then, you know, that's that's tricky, right? Yeah, yeah. So someone is arguably not going to do super well in a race if all they've ever done is train indoors where they can see their screen and maybe they even have the trainer set up to hit that sure 200 they do. watts. Yeah, they have it on erg mode and they just stare at their bar the whole time. They don't, they don't look ahead, so their posture is different. They don't have to shift. They don't have to e- e- even control cadence or look where they're going or choose a route or steer around stuff or watch for traffic or trees or traction if the traction's relevant on a gravel road or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't use erg mode very often. I haven't used a smart trainer in quite a while, but I remember doing it a few times and I found it so unhelpful for me because it made it way too easy to not pay attention to what I was doing, and then suddenly I'm down to five RPMs at Right, whatever. for you it would be troubling. Some people go the opposite and they're up buzzing along at 110, they just keep chasing the gear. And I think we should be careful. Erg mode can mean a couple of different things, right? There can be sort of a simulation mode that's in maybe like Zwift where you're riding a virtual uh, environment route and it's changing, sort of undulating the water. I think that, you know, for an endurance ride or in the group riding and racing, I think that's great. Uh, there's also an erg mode, which would be more of the people in the compu trainers would remember. And certainly most of the trainers have the setting where you can really pick like 200 Watts and then just keep pedaling and you sort of control the cadence, but the trainer is going to keep matching 200 Watts or whatever the Watts are. Yeah. It turns out on a race course, no one is making you keep it at 200 Watts. So there's a lot of factors working the, the, against. There'll be some surging. So the important thing is, you know, if you're trying to get better at riding outside, then we want to ride outside, especially if you're in a place where you can't ride outside year round. So that's why my rule of thumb is if you can ride outside, you should, right? And that's, that's coming from a Canadian sort of, you know, we only have so much time to do it. Winter is indeed coming, right? So that, that's the idea. So there's nerves going outside. Now, the nice thing about going outside is if we choose a good route, and this might take a couple practices and it, it might take, you know, a while, 
you should have a higher output for most things outdoors, right? There's a variety of reasons that can happen, especially if we can find a, a hill for this interval. Most people will find that that's like the best setup is you have something to push against. It's hard and you just keep pedaling right into that hill. So if you can find a big mountain, that's often the best scenario. We can't all do that, right? So you'll see people do out and backs. This is just time trial practice, right? If you just look up where your local club does time trial practice, there's probably a great 40 kilometer, 20 kilometer, 16 kilometer, 10 miles uh, route. And you can just go out and do it, right? If you look on the Strava routes, you can find a segment that's, you know, looks pretty safe, maybe has a right-hand turn, uh, doesn't have any lights, right? People solve this all way. And, and the less fit you are, the easier this is to do because you don't need to go that fast. You don't need that much fitness, right? I, I try and t to say, I also will do a lot of my tests just on my mountain bike because I have a power meter on my mountain bike and then it slows me down, right? So I can pedal on a flat road and then we, we're lucky here. We have sort of a 10 minute climb on the road. So I can sort of pedal on the flat for a bit. If I was aiming for 20, say I could pedal on the flat or false flat, you know, into maybe a headwind for a bit and then up up the climb and get that sort of effort in, right? It's not perfect, but it's my sort of route that I use for one of my tests. Let's maybe talk about that. How can people better plan for these outdoor tests? Because I think that might be a part of the reason people are so into the indoor test is because it's easy. Right. It's safe. It's easy. It's You could debate it's controllable. Uh, but what we're looking for is, can we go hard outside, right? Uh, I think well, that that almost is the better question, I think, is why do we test, right? It, it's to A, try and make a decision about training. Is training going in the right direction? Are we seeing progress? And it might, depending on the test, give us an insight of you know where we might focus next, right? So I think it is important to ask, why are we testing? Um, I look at it a lot of times as, A, what are the nerves like? Can we complete this you know best effort for the day? And B... Can we find a stretch of road where we might do intervals in the future? So if you can do 20 minutes on this stretch, can we now go out and do two by 20 on this stretch, right? And call that an interval workout or four by 10 or four by eight, whatever, you know, whatever uh, thing you believe in. That's often where this testing is coming from is we can test once and then we can go and train. And often that route's going to be a great asset for you, something that you can go out and do, you know, 90% of that effort. Now you asked me a question and I completely derailed that with why we might test. Uh, I think, I think you answered the question Okay. Uh, as you were getting off on a bit of a, a tangent. The why, there. the great why. Yeah. Um, I think, I think part of it though, as She's, far as practical matters, I think Strava heat maps are helpful for that. I think asking the cyclists in your area are helpful for that. Uh, and honestly, if you work with Peter, asking him, because let me tell you, he will spend time on Strava looking at the heat maps. And that's what for I usually you. do. I just go look, you know, are there any climbs? A lot of places are flat, right? But then we look at, well, what are, what are people doing? People have solved this problem. I have clients in downtown Toronto and they, lots of people do 20 minute efforts, right? They do an industrial loop. They're really careful on the corners. You know, they have to let off a little bit on the corners. They pick a good time of day. They maybe use their mountain bike or their cross bike with some big slow tires on it. Oh, I think that's a great point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can sort of. Yeah. You don't use your time trial bike if you want to slow down. Right. We're, we do like, again, the number one thing is we can't get injured in, in, tr in training, right? This is our Dan John rule. We don't get injured in training. So we want to be careful that we don't get injured trying to set this, this best, right? But we're practicing. We're practicing what it might be like on race day. And I think it's important to note here, you want to have the, that hundred percent effort or like high effort. But we come back to that 80% as a passing grade. So if your hill outside is 18 minutes and not 20, 
the test is not a failure if you have to like pedal it out on the flat at the top oh, or go most downhill places in the world, for a little bit. That's just the way it works. Yeah. 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 So I think people get really stressed about that, but you're so much better to have an outdoor test think, that's, yeah. you know, 80 to 90% optimal versus doing it indoors where it's all controlled. Because when you are in a race situation, it's not like magically there's going to be a 20 minute hill. No, not necessarily. I mean, you might be lucky. This might not even be a complex thing for you. Right. And it might be very regional in that, in that sense, right. You know, the, the people in the more lowlands might struggle with this concept, but again, it's sometimes I'd say the majority of the time it's someone who's done most of their power training, most of their testing indoors. And then they've just trained, you know, ridden outside for fun. And we're trying to get them switched over to also training outdoors where we do intervals outside testing is largely just interval training i understand that though because i think the psychology of it is that you're now worried that your outdoor is not going to be as good as your indoor like your actual results because there's going to be these outside factors but again if you're thinking towards getting results in a race well and what are we testing i think this is i I was trying to think of a good analogy like you go to physio you were just there and, and we do our clamshell right and they make you do some really weird external rotation of your hip Right? And the physio will push on your, your ankle and you're trying to resist their push. Right? Hopefully everyone can sort of understand what I'm doing. Right, And so you're pushing and it's only these little muscles in your hip that are opposing their entire body and hand. And you're like, oh, you're weak in your hips. But then that same person might use those hip muscles and their big hip you know, their glutes, and they might squat a ton of weight or run up a mountain vigorously. Right, So they're very strong people. Right. So it's almost like, what are we testing? Are we testing these very small aspects of our sport or are we testing, you know, something that's a little bit more holistic, a little messier for sure, but is the person able to get the job done? And so what you're sort of looking for is, you know, when you get outside, can you navigate a route? Can you steer around the trees and be safe? Can you corner whenever you have to corner? Can you break if you have to break? And then can you pedal, a, you know, steady at a hard pace? Right. And again, this is really testing. Can you do these intervals and do you have a place that you can do them? And what's it like when you're going to do the race for sure. And if you're a mountain biker, like I do a lot of mine on, we have a big gravel hill that sort of undulates, but is mostly uphill for, I don't know, I can probably stretch it to 13, 14 minutes going pretty hard. And then it just becomes like a rolling gravel road afterwards. And so I'll just do a 20 on that. Again, I'll do two or three minutes on pavement to start, you know, try and figure out which way the wind's going, hit that and and try and stretch it, right? The 20 just to get the power. Uh, But as you said, the local hill test, the Strava test works great, you know? So if it's just 13 minutes, 12 minutes to get up that hill, no problem. Yeah. And I think actually to that point, you can even, if you're, if you are super stressed about this and you want your tests to measure up or whatever, talk to your coach and say, Hey, the biggest hill around us is you know, a 13 ish minute effort. And you might even just change your testing to that 13 or 15 minute or something. Certainly could be instead of trying to kind of keep pushing for this 20 with that analysis. Now, like that's fine, right? Well, you might just connect it, right? You might do some sprints. You might do like a longer uh, effort, like see what a 90 minute, you know, something like that. That's more of like a tempo-y type effort. Right. Uh, and then you just sort of connect the dots, right? And that's a little aside from the point, like that's all, you know, you're, you're doing work outside in any case with that stuff. I think not to overlook though, that a lot of people do this on flat roads, out and backs and, and concession blocks really turn right, right? The out and back is a classic. I have several clients who are doing time trials on Thursday nights, and they go out and back and it's nothing fancy. It's just the flat road with low traffic. They go from one road and they turn around at the other. They take their time turning around and don't fall over. And then they get back up to speed, right? And it's 10 minutes out, 10 minutes back. Yeah, yeah. 
Love it. Right. So I would say, you know, our, our homework is to just look up on Strava, ask the local club, look at what the local club does. A lot of these local clubs have like the local, you know, criteria or circuit race they do. You know, they do like a Australian pursuit around a block. Right. right? Cool. All yeah. right. Well, I think that answers that. Get outside and do your testing. Yeah. Play with it. Right. It's just different. It doesn't have to match the one. I think that's what I said to someone today, too, is like they're just different things right like it's mm-hmm. the same as you, you don't have to compare them one to one you know it's interesting to see if they're different uh but i mean if you have a turnaround and you drop five watts in the turnaround and then you carry on it it's no problem yeah cool all right let's hit our next topic uh so this was sort of a listener question sort of a listener a thought and it got us talking a lot and thinking about it a lot uh we won't read the whole thing but the the gist of it is this uh, this woman says I strongly believe in finding the right fit with a coach and staying with them long term over many seasons, but what if your goals are all over the map? Why aren't more coaches in line with the consummate athlete ethos? And sort of how can we work around that? So this to us as we talked through it, we totally understand because a lot of the people we know and a lot of people we work with have a lot of different goals, and that's awesome. I mean, we just did that episode answering another listener question where she was asking about training for a 50k while still adding in stand up paddle boarding and climbing and all of that kind of stuff so we were talking about can you be a consummate athlete while you're training for your goal race and the answer is sort of or it depends depends who you are yeah how high you're trying to reach yeah exactly uh so we really liked this in terms of thinking about looking for a coach uh because you know, a lot of coaches will have very rigid ideas and very specific niches that they're in. And some of them are much more flexible, much more open. Um, but at the same time, there there's pros and cons to both, right? If you have a coach who's super open to you doing 800 sports and he says he can coach you through all of them, the odds that he's actually a super high level coach at all of those sports is pretty low. Yeah, you just can't be. Right? So I think that's that answers the why aren't more coaches into the consummate athlete ethos as far as their actual coaching practice goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, certainly, uh, for example, you're perfectly capable of coaching someone through a triathlon or a running event, but your primary thing is going to be cycling events. And yeah, and I, I wouldn't necessarily advertise that either, right? I certainly have, but we always start off with like I know very little about swimming. Um, you know, I think I could direct someone to go from zero to like good enough in open water. Uh, but not if you have, you know, if you want to win or compete, you know, you, you, and most people will just go to master swim, right? So they'd actually get this other coach. Yeah, exactly. So I would say beware of any coach that says that they can coach any sport. Right, right. And I think it does connect to a you know, the, the level you're trying to push, right? If we're trying to break the Ironman world record or age group or Kona, there are very specific things you need to be doing for that. And that's, you know, an all encompassing pursuit, especially with Ironman. Um, right. But as the, the duration comes up, as the intensity comes up, the quality comes up, it's just a bigger pursuit, right? You don't really see someone, you know, going to Ironman Kona and then also going to the Olympics for rock climbing, right? Like it's, you just can't be like that, right? There's the odd person, but who does something crazy like that, like just two sport athlete. In that case, I guess it would be a four sport athlete, but. Well, and we were even laughing about, I think you, one of us said something about, well, 
could you consider a triathlete or a triathlon coach to be more of that consummate athlete coach because they coach all three disciplines? And I said, absolutely not, because a triathlon coach is not coaching swimming like or biking or running. They're coaching swimming and biking and running. They can put together a program that has all three of those elements in it, but I wouldn't go to a triathlon coach for a marathon PR. Yeah, in most situations. And there's probably, you know, they probably each have their, especially they started in running or they started in swimming and then, you know, they, they, they've they gotten good enough at a lot of that other stuff. Or they, uh, triathlon especially, I, I think you would see either teams of coaches where they're, you know, splitting that up a little bit or, um, you know, there's just, they're, they're sending them to the pool as I would, right? For the, right. the, the master swim, the triathlon, whatever, right? They're, there's almost hiring out to the swim coach. Or maybe cycling is a better version of that. Like I wouldn't go to a tri coach for a, to be a mountain bike racer. Probably not. And that's a lot of my clients come from sort of that, you know, they, they're done with triathlon, they're done with road and they come to, to me for some of the off-road disciplines. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's really that, I think the level determines a lot of the, the question sort of played in, you know, some of these more elite level coaches or, or runners, right. Sometimes you'll see them go, you know, all or nothing, right. It's, we don't really cross train unless we can, you know, if we can avoid it is sort of the coaching mentality because we're trying to really do great things with running or whatever the sport is, or I'm an elite runner and then, you know, I get injured or sick or retire and I never run again. And it is, it's sort of a shame in some ways, but you know, that's elite, right? Again, it gets pointier and pointier and less and less time for other stuff. And once you've been at that level, it's also very hard to go and do it recreationally. Certainly there's lots of people, you just don't hear about them, right? They just keep riding for fun and they're just in their local club, right? If I think about any of our Olympians in Canada, I don't know what our numbers would be like, but there's lots of them that are still just riding around locally and have clubs and all sorts of stuff, right? And there's a bunch that have just disappeared and don't ride anymore. For sure. Uh, The other thought I had as I looked at this question was, honestly, A plus for the idea of staying with a coach for a while maybe you can kind of speak to this, but I think it's such a good thing to stay with a coach for more than one season or even coming in for a few months to get ready for a season and then just being done with it. Because I think the relationship you can build up with a coach is, is really important, especially for someone who wants to pursue other sports and other sort of consummate athlete stuff. Uh, my my own journey right now is I've now been with David Roche, who we ha- we've had on the podcast a couple times now. I've been working with him for three years now. And I would say when we first started, he was very not into the idea of me doing a lot of cross training. But in the last three years, we've sort of come to terms on it. And he now knows me and knows what I can do and what I can handle and where I can fit it in or where I have to fit it in in some cases. Uh, But it takes some time to build those relationships because he just wanted what was best for my running career. Um, I wanted what was best for my running career, but also wanted to do X, Y, and Z things. And I think it's taken a while to come to a good balance where I get to do the things that I, I want to do in addition to the running workouts that are going to make me a more competent runner. Yeah. And that's interesting. Like there's maybe the coach has their, you know, system inevitably, inevitably, <laughs> uh, the coach will decide, you know, over time you start seeing these trends, right. And ideally you have data to support that. Cause I think sometimes that we get, you know, biases, biases, I'm sorry, I'm not pronouncing things today. Um, in, in our coaching, right. We start thinking, okay, this interval set is the interval set. There's no other, there's no reason to do tempo. There's no reason to do VO2, right. There's no reason to do whatever, but you know, it probably all works. 
you know, for a period of time. And there's probably a per type of person and a type of goal that it works really well for, right? At least for a, a time, right? Maybe there's limits to how long you can apply it. So I think that's interesting that, you know, getting to know the coach, getting to know you and trying things, maybe you can try things in the off season when it's not as important and see what the result is that might help the coach sort of come over to that line of thinking and where that fits in the plan. I would say David's probably, I'd be interested to know what his thoughts were if, if he thought so, but whether the pandemic's changed his thoughts on cross training. That could be for sure. And again, maybe that was a context versus a, a complete change in uh, philosophy. It might be that, you know, when their goals are nebulous, it's okay to do a little more sporadic things or whatever makes you happy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so the the other thought I, we we're talking through is I as you're looking for a coach or if you're looking for a coach, you, you, when you're talking to a new client, for example, you often try to explain your coaching philosophy or you're actually hoping they ask you about your coaching philosophy. And I think that's a question that a lot of people skip when they're talking to coaches because they either find them online and just kind of fill out an intake form and get going. Um, but if you have this kind of goal and this kind of mentality, I think it's perfectly okay to interview multiple coaches and ask them, what's your take on cross training? Can I you know, in this case, add archery into my training load? And how would that look for you? Sure. It's definitely good to interview a few people. I know it's, it's very tempting to like, it's sort of awkward, right? It's like a job interview. Now you're the one interviewing, so it shouldn't be so awkward. Eh, it's still awkward. Phone interactions are terrible. Well, and you know, hopefully zoom, maybe zoom makes it better. Maybe you can meet them in person. Maybe that's a part of the interview, right? Is, are they available too, right? If that's important to you. Uh, but you want to sort of have a list of like, what is important? What did you, if you did have a previous coach that you're coming from that you didn't like, they didn't like cross training. Well, that's pretty important, right? So you might want to find out if that coach because some don't like cross training very much right i'm a run coach i'll make you fast at running that's my sales pitch right uh, or are they into cross training you know and so you want to know what's important to you first off and then you want to ask them you know given the goals i have how would you prepare me like do you have thoughts on how i would do this do you think you can do this what does that look like um you know because you might find that they're really not into the idea of multiple types of sport goals right so if you're one month you're into this and one month you're into that or there's a whole bunch of crossover right it does get pretty messy so some coaches will not be into that right i would say that it does get tricky uh, which we can talk about that goal in a second i guess i'll stay on this this thought uh the last thing so you're asking you have your list of things that you want you're asking them how they might prepare you for it i think the other interesting question to ask a coach is do you coach anyone like me Right. And, and you could even go as far as asking if you could, if they would be willing to connect you with those people to talk to them. Now, it's pretty biased, right? If the, if the coach can select, you know, <laughs> the client they want to talk to you uh, and the client's still with them, they're probably pretty positive on, on it. But you could ask those people maybe questions, right? And I think people don't ask that uh, often enough. Uh, but that's definitely another way to angle in on it, right? Is just see who else they're coaching and are they sort of doing similar things. Yeah. So those are probably three questions I would have people ask i would also come in with the list of your goals and even if their goals again to bring in this archery example to endurance sport uh if your goal is you know marathon pr but you're also doing this archery competition and you're thinking about doing a schemo trip in the winter and you kind of want to try this bike packing thing whatever i think coming in with that list and just letting the coach know that those are your goals and maybe maybe you're going to talk through them and maybe some of them aren't going to be realistic and you're going to change them 
But I think the best thing you can do is come in with that sort of bucket list, wish list, whatever you want to call it, to your coach. So at least they know where you're coming from. Because I think it's hard when a coach has, you know, if it's a run coach and you've mentioned your marathon PR, but then a month in you're like, oh, and by the way, I'm going to this archery competition for seven days and I won't be able to do any training. It's like, well, wait, that wasn't, that wasn't part of our plan. What? Uh, it can just be a little bit difficult to work with or to, to figure out. But if you had said it from the beginning, then maybe there is, maybe you could work around it and it'd be fine. Yeah. I like that because you're, you're saying before you go and talk to someone, you should probably figure out what you want to do. Yes. And, and for some of these folks, you know, perhaps the person asking the question, thank you again for your question. It might be that you need some clarity on what exactly you want to do, right? And it's a completely okay at the end of it to decide you're just going to do whatever you want and, and just get through all these things and just have fun every day, right? Not everyone needs a coach. Not everyone needs to train officially. Some people can just go out and mix up what they do every day, right? And that's that's okay too. Again, this gets to where are we as far as the how ambitious is the goal and how skilled are you at these things, right? So if you have a basic level in all these things and you can finish the things, you don't need a coach. Now, if you want to do better in any of these things, you might have to start thinking about prioritizing the days of the week to prepare for them. And you might need to get coaching, feedback, um, whatever, right? Master swim, archery class, whatever it is, to try and get better at one of those things. And that might require months of focus right at the exclusion of some other stuff right so that's where you might have to come to clarity on what's the most important thing for you what is the goal for right now what's the priority priority being like one thing not priorities um but priority for right now right and that can be you said schemo in the winter so we're allowed to cross train when we're building our general you know fitness this is the base phase so you can do skiing right you can do this stuff that's going to build general fitness in the the winter or the off season but i think you want to be careful that we're not jumping between a ton of things uh if you are going to get ambitious right and ambitious is you versus the thing you're trying to do yes and we talked a bit about that right that matching whereas like right now i'm not really trying to do anything above what I've ever done in mountain biking. I've stayed pretty fit. I get to ride a lot of days of the week. Um, and as long as I stay pretty fit, I can sort of just walk in and do the same. Th- like I have the, r- the race routine, right? I know how the, the game works, right? If I had wanted to step up a level, you know, and we, I haven't even been racing at a national level, right? But like that would take more training, right? That would take more focus. That would take more gear preparation, right? And it takes away how much running I could do or how much strength training I could do. Yeah. I had a question for you. Do you think, you know, when we were reading this, I I came to think, and I think actually in my response, I sent, you know, UFC fighters often compartmentalize. (laughs) Um, So they have different coaches, right? They have a wrestling coach, a a conditioning coach often, uh, sparring or boxing or these type of things. So I think that would be one approach you could take at a cu- in a couple different ways if you were really going to go after this like multiple sport approach. I think especially where skills are involved. So we've sort of dropped master swim in here a couple times and mentioned archery lessons. Mm-hmm. To me, those are actually very separate than sort of your more general endurance sport coach. Well, that's what they I- need to be put into the training schedule. Your coach needs to know that those exist. And I'll get to that point last because I think it's the most important. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah, you can't have secret coaches. You can't have secret coaches. No <laughs> secret coaching. Right. Even something like archery that 
I mean, okay, I don't really know archery. Let's say darts because I feel like that's an easier one. Do you know more about darts? Not really, but I I feel like I'm going to... We do use it in the podcast description. I think someone's going to get really angry at me when I say this, but practicing darts is maybe not the most physically demanding activity ever. Uh, Please don't at me if I'm wrong about this, but it does take a lot of mental energy and focus and concentration. So it's probably not something you could do the same day that you had your intense interval workout session for the day or your long run of the week or whatever. Right. You want to periodize that. Again, no secret training. Um, Cool. Yeah. So, so that it might look like, I'm just thinking maybe we were looking at this a bit too endurance athlete centric. Whereas if we looked at this as you know, kids and phys ed class where it's just exposure to tons of different movements and sports. Uh, I don't see, you know, if someone has the time and the resources, I could see a, a pretty cool week where, you know, you're going to, however you practice darts, this might just be at the bar on Tuesdays and Saturdays or something, right? Maybe Tuesdays is trivia night and darts or something, or it might be more focused. You might actually go and train darts. It might just be backyard. You're training darts. I don't know what you're preparing for darts for. You said archery. So maybe you're going to a range and working on archery twice a week. Maybe you're going to master swim class two or three times a week. And you're going to do again, a triathlon or a a swim race of some type an open water FKT perhaps. Uh, what else could we do? Some like soccer. So it's like pick up soccer. We could throw in there. We could throw a Saturday group ride that maybe has some sort of instructional component to it. Uh, you know, I could see, and maybe you could have some, like a coach overseeing this, you know, as like a general contractor, you, you might not need it though, but I think you could actually make a really nice where you're getting the coaching and the feedback and all the specific disciplines. And you just have to make sure, as you, you suggested, there's some load management and timing or what we could call periodization planning of just making sure that the like really high demand stuff isn't every day of the week. You know, we sort of have those high days, the low intensity endurance days and some obvious off days. And I would say that's actually a great situation where something like, you know, for we have uh, booking phone consults. So I would say that would be a perfect opportunity to book a phone consult with a coach and just have a 30 minute call or an hour long call or whatever, just to talk through how you're planning your training schedule out. And well, maybe draw it out, right? Like I'm, I'm just yeah. picturing drawing this out on a, you know, an old school calendar, you know, the, the paper, if mm-hmm. you will. And, and just seeing, you know, as you would with a family schedule, right? I have several clients that have this up with their family and I know it's, you know, baseballs at this time and dance classes at this time and school recitals at this time. And, uh, you know, mom and dad are somehow trying to bike ride around this or run around this. So a lot of you are doing things like this. And I think that would be the way I would maybe go about this is, you know, sprinkle those elements throughout the week and then, yeah, maybe check in and see if, you know, if there's any places where you're going to get in trouble, right? You're sort of sneaking in too many high intensity days, right? This is, you might, you know, if if one of these things was a CrossFit and then one of these things was a group ride and then one of these things was, uh, you know, a run group, you know, something where it's, they're all intense and we just got to be careful, right? A fight club. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, whatever you're into, I guess. Right. But, you know, and that's my, my second thoughts. So I, I had the question for you for about UFC. And I think the other way, if you were like, OK, we're going to do this almost, you know, the, the episodes we've done with uh, Lindsay Webster and Ryan Atkins around um, mud runs or what is that called? Ult- not ultimate fighting. Obstacle course. Obstacle racing? course. Oh, OCR. OCR. Thank you. As opposed to UFC. Obstacle course racing would be another one with really challenging demands and quite variable in terms of the durations, the intensity. 
Uh, and then also the skills that are required, right? Ranging from sort of like rock climbing to lifting to weighted carries um, and then just running, right? Just sprinting around stuff. So their training might be really interesting to look at too, right? If you wanted to follow Ryan or Lindsay, they post lots of their training, right? And there's a big chunk of running for conditioning, but you'll see Ryan get on his bike to mix it up too and not be loading so much. And then a lot of rock climbing and, you know, just strength training really, right? And I think that's where that like being strong enough to do absorb a lot of this stuff is probably where, you know, if you were like Peter, you know, you're not going to be a, a bike rider, a mountain biker, you're going to have to do these bunch of different things. I would probably make sure that my strength training was really good. I'd probably look at Dan John's, you know, easy strength as a, a sort of starting point there. And then I'd look at that skill training and whatever I had to brush up on as, you know, either hiring a coach in the short term, going to a classes that would address that, uh, and, or just scheduling that into my week as, you know, today is the day I'm going to go insert the sport, right? Whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. And then the the only last note, uh, which I alluded to before, is whatever you do, do not stack plan on plan on plan. And you've seen a few people with this over the In years. In our book, we talk about that. Where yeah. they've you know gone on training peaks and bought like six pre-made plans and just stacked them one on top of the and other. And this, this happens often. I'll get someone come to me to build a plan or, or consult and I'll go, you know, we'll sync up the Training Peaks account so I can check out what they've been up to. And then there'll just be this mash of, you know, the foot, CrossFit football, like power, strength, training, and conditioning plan. The sweet spot, you know, Frank Overton, you know, plan for biking. That's like a seven-day-a-week, like would have been a crusher plan on its own. Uh, and then that's stacked on with some other like, you know, swimming or something. swimming or like the mountain athlete, because we're trying to be uh, mountain climbers or something. Right. And it, they're all great plans. They're all really good plans. Nothing's wrong with any of them. Any one of them would have been great. And you could have put them, you know, do this for six weeks. You know, Dan John always says, I mentioned Dan John a lot today, but you know, this is sort of more in his, his wheelhouse, I think, right. Is how do we become strong people and, and pursue these athletics, you know, think just give it the plan a chance for six weeks frank overton actually says uh f ftp so follow the effing plan basically i think how does that work there's an acronym there anyhow play on ftp i like it and, and it, it's because this question comes up a lot like what should i do well just finish the plan right then we'll know if it worked or not or how it worked for you or what it did for you back to that the four c's consistency yeah. It's just so important. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to buy a plan, great. If you're going to get feedback, but then give it time. Try and stay on the path and just try and get better at that one thing, right? So if this is the darts month, give it that month. And I really like, that's how most of my coaching goes is we think in blocks. You know, I try and always enter in and I, I miss it sometimes. So I apologize to some clients, but I try and always put the block focus is, you know, we're working on endurance and, you know, strength or, you know, we're preparing for this race in this block. So we're thinking really, you know, the intervals are based on getting ready for Leadville, right? And just trying to think, what are these three, four, five, six, eight weeks? What are they for, right? What are you trying to do? And then we can change it, right? We can yes. do something completely different. Awesome. All right. Well, let's wrap up on that note. Hopefully everyone has some, some food for thought heading into this week. Maybe it's encouraged you to, I don't know, check out your local kickboxing gym or archery studio or dance studio or oh, whatever. Yeah. Probably all need your support. So give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to head over to wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. It's super, super, super helpful. We deeply appreciate every single review. Uh, and head over to consummateathlete.com for the show notes. Thank you so much, and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram, at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week. <laughs>